Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and their experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, check out practical-leadership.academy. Marcus County, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. So can I ask you very simply, who are you? How did you first become a people leader? What's important for you today? What's going on? Marcus Kauke, dad, three fabulous daughters, married to an incredibly patient wife. I'm an expert in messing up. I, I've made lots and lots of mistakes. I'm a bear of simple brains, and I tend to have to make mistakes many times over. Uh, and I see myself as a bit like the ladybird uh, in Japanese culture. Uh, it's uh, viewed as being lucky because it sucks all the bad luck away from everybody else uh, and uh, then allows the good luck to flow to them. And um, so I, I see my life as an object lesson, um, which is don't do the stupid things that I've learned not to do eventually and uh, make your own mistakes, but not the costly, expensive, painful ones that I did. And what drives me is trying to make things better. I subscribe to the concept that we're leasing the planet from future generations. Uh, we're not inheriting it from past ones. And I think sales and leadership, it's the same. I think we should leave an, the next generation of leaders and managers better than we ever were by creating the conditions um, so that they can overthrow us. That's a magnificent premise for life. Uh, especially like the the sequence of mistakes, you know. You know, I, your mum might have said once is an accident, twice is stupidity. No, 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 no. Once is an accident, twice is just getting better. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe about the tenth, eleventh, twelfth time. Um, I, but I've developed a really thick skin and a very strong skull, and um, the scar tissue is good for you. And I, I think it, it makes you somebody who can question with compassion and uh, real force um, with no nonsense and no artifice. That, you know, your intent is pure um, because you're not trying to score a point. You recognize why people are behaving like idiots. You were, you've done it. Um, you've, you've grown up with people who did it. You had people like that inflict themselves on you uh, as your peers, your managers, your staff, your customers. Um, and uh, until you realize that it doesn't matter what your technique is um, in sales or in management. That none of that makes the blindest bit of difference. If you fail to understand that you are dealing with another human being with a three billion year finely tuned bullshit detector that recognizes when you represent a threat. Um, and a threat can just be doubt, uncertainty, is your intent to score a point to win something over on me, or is it genuinely to serve and help me? When I train, when I coach people, I do away with technique completely. How you show up matters. Your intent matters. Well, if you had to give a piece of concrete advice to somebody who was new in this role of managing other people. Okay. I think that there are different types of management functions. Some are high and some are low value. The more a manager does, the lower their value. Manager's job is not to do. Manager's job is to find people 
who do um, and help them do that brilliantly without impediment, mm. without friction, without distraction and without acts of idiocy from above. Managers, I believe, have two lines on their job description, no matter what part of the business they're in. It's hire the best people. That is the antidote to 95% of management problems. So finding the right people, putting them in the right place. So your, your advice to some would be hire the best you can. That's the first part. This, mm-hmm. These commandments come in two parts. Um, so hire the best people and then get the best out of them. Your responsibility is therefore not to do. Your responsibility is to help them do better. Your responsibility is not to do it for them, the heavy lifting. It's to help them fill in the 5 to 20% they cannot. And the moment the inkling of how to fix the problem is clear, becoming clear to them, you hand them back the pen and let them finish. Because it's not your job to be the hero. Yours is the guide. You are Yoda to their Luke Skywalker. That's probably a generational thing. I'm not sure everyone will understand. Because um, You can um, go further back. You can, go, you can make it Socratic. <laughs> you know? It's the midwife method. Your job is to, to birth the knowledge out of them. And, and again, when you look at what we do in sales, in management, in leadership, if you understand human beings... And you understand the dynamics of how groups of human beings work and are driven and motivated within the context in which they operate and what perspective and limited viewpoint that can give them. You then need to try and work out how you can get people to come along and meet you in, uh, on your pathway towards your vision as a leader, but they can't do that in one leap. You need to learn how to nurture it in bite-sized chunks. And so you have to learn how to be patient. And this is the curse of the innovator. Mm. Because the curse of the innovator is, oh, God, another bright, shiny thing that I have to chase after. And you need people around you who need to teach you and say, Paul, for God's sake, just focus and let's get this bloody thing out the door. One thing at a time. This is really interesting. Back in the 1800s, the word priority had one meaning and one meaning only. And it came from the Latin a priori, which means the one. Mm. And then we got greedy and we made it priorities. Plural. I liked, we diluted it. I'm trying to do is get people to think more deeply and ask questions about what are the causes of these problems that we're facing. So we don't have to try and separate tin and copper from bronze in order to get it fixed again. Just don't start making the uh, the bronze. If, If you hire well, most of your management problems disappear. Then if you spend your time on high value management activities, these are things where you've already delegated to people you've hired well and you trust, which means that these people make decisions, which means that you don't have to. As long as you're clear about what the boundaries are and about what the permissions are, up to this amount, no need to escalate. As long as it's good for the customer and it's good for us, then you'll, you have full discretion. And if it goes horribly wrong, you'll never be punished. We'll just learn the lesson. The only thing you will be punished for is hiding it. And you keep a failure log. It's brilliant. Because most of the stuff that we talk about where people do stupid things, 
And we do stuff repeatedly just because we haven't really thought deeply enough. We haven't asked the right questions. And then we haven't created the conditions to protect ourselves from ourselves. You talked there about performing only the highest value tasks. Design. Spend time designing the business that you're going to become. Spend time designing the positions that you're going to need in order to accomplish those outcomes that you're working towards. Then look at the people that you've got and work out, can they be uh, developed into those roles, trained, coached, uh, mentored? Do they have the capacity? Do they have the will, the ability? If they don't, then can they be redeployed? Because you don't want to waste good resource with lots of uh, company knowledge uh, and history. Can they be redeployed? If not, do they need to be replaced? When? How are you going to pay for that? You know, all of these things need to be considered. That's much more useful than spending your time on, frankly, masturbatory reporting that tells you nothing. Coaching, just spend time coaching. You cannot spend enough time in the field, on the job, with your people, coaching in the moment at the point of need and coaching what you see and having them take ownership, go away and agree a course of action and then act on it and then come back and report back on their lessons and see the progress that they've made or come back with the scar tissue and what the lessons that you get from failure. Because you always pay a price, but you get a much bigger payback if you actually adopt that attitude. We're, we're not wired for no. rationality. We're really? a rationalizing species, not a rational one. Ta-da! <laughs> All right, let's, let's wrap up and I ask you, if you had the ability to thank your younger self for doing something wise, what would you thank your younger self for doing? <laughs> oh, right, okay. That, um, marrying my wife. That's a good answer. Does she ever listen to your podcast? She does, but more <laughs> importantly, she's just around the corner. I <laughs> see it later. <laughs> what would you like to thank your younger self for doing? <laughs> and, and in addition to marrying my wife, because that, that was actually the best decision I've ever made, mm-hmm. I would I'd thank them for their insatiable curiosity, but mm-hmm. maybe rein in your sense of knowing and um, the, the lazy why. Um, would have been something I'd have counseled myself against. Thinking you have the answer when you don't mm-hmm. um, and going deeper, you know, it's five wise, 10 wise, 18 wise, um, but just dig deeper and get to the, get to the bottom. Do you think that as we're young and as we get older, this, I mean, I love the insatiable curiosity and yes, I'm right up there with marrying your wife. That, that was the, the, one of the most transformative things. Did he marry her too? I married your wife too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, She's a lovely girl. Um, <laughs> my polyamorous <laughs> wife. <laughs> First time heard of it, but I'm all for it. <laughs> but you start off with this curiosity, but you also start off with this confidence, misplaced as we know it is. But that confidence as you're young, I think, gives you this boost to go off and do the crazy stuff that you might not do later in life when you have more responsibility. Yes, and I'd like to maintain the drive, but recognise when you're just bloody stupid or you're being plain entitled because there's no room for it. It doesn't actually move you forward. I mean, what it has equipped me with is a really good sense of my regrets. And Dan Pink there said something um, at uh, Nudstock uh, this year, which I thought was really uh, insightful, which is that your regrets are indicative of your values. I think for that, I'm grateful. 
for those acts of stupidity and self-sabotage. And But I'm so regretful of the people that I must have offended, upset, damaged, abused, mm. and steamrolled over, uh, tried to take advantage of, and just generally been a total ass to. There was no need for it, and I just wish I could be forgiven. But it's you know, acts of unforgivable selfishness. Do you know, you just hit on my motivation for doing everything that I try to do, which is, I think you said it right at the top there, which is we have almost a duty to leave this inherited planet of ours inherited from the future in a slightly better position if we can share some of the crap that we've gone through and then with the recognition that we have, in fact, punished a large number of people in our own learning process, <laughs> inadvertently. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I do apologise for it as well to everybody that I may have gone through and sort of crapped all over from a great height as I, as I tried to get better at doing what I was doing. But you want to help them not have to go through exactly the same process. The, the only thing I would dispute with you is that whilst we may have inherited it, we're leasing it from the future. And I Sorry, I was using that. that. I was inheriting it from the future. I was yes. swapping it there. But yeah. but we're, we're leasing it. Okay. Uh, it's not ours. It's mm. we have to hand it back in good order. Um, you know, that, that, better. Order, yeah, that that yeah, and better preferably. If we think about humanity's superpower. It is the ability to cooperate and then communicate and then develop solutions together and then choreograph how we deal with it. Because some people need to be brought in early. Others need to validate. Others need to put systems in place. Others need to drive things forward. And you need to make sure you build these teams up of the right people. And this is where leadership and management really come into their own. Because building, hiring the right people also means hiring the right teams. And it doesn't mean hiring in your own image only weaker. It doesn't mean only hiring people in a particular strength area. It means creating diversity in every aspect apart from one thing, values. Values don't change. And in particular, you hire the high on trust because you hire for what you cannot train. Competence, in all honesty. I mean, I don't need a dozen years experience um, because I know how people work. I know how to ask questions so that they then tell me how the decision-making process is crafted. In fact, that acronym crafted is incredibly useful. Commitment, resources, access, financials, times and timings, evaluation and decision. When you follow that framework and you're asking those questions, trying to understand who is committed, how committed are they? What are they committed to? Who's not committed? What are the implications of that? What resources do you need access to? What resources do you have access to? What are, what's missing? Okay. Uh, who works on your side? Who works on their side? Are there any partners that are required? Uh, do you have um, access to the right people, estate, technology, data, then times and timings? Are they working on durations or deadlines? You know, when they say this has to be done by X, is that really a deadline? What happens if it, you miss it? Well, nothing. Okay, so it's, it's movable. So we're trying to work out where their priorities are in terms of resources, time, outcomes. Because that's what your job is, is to serve them not yourself. Long-term selfish. 
Marcus, how can people find you? What are you working on? What would you, what would you like to? Um, if I turn sideways, you miss me because I just disappear. Um, <laughs> um, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Marcus Kauke, C-A-U-C-H-I, uh, the underscore inquisitor on Twitter. Um, and if you do Marcus Kauke podcast or the inquisitor, all one word, um, podcast on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, I pop up. Um, and email Marcus at laughsiphonlast.com. Laughs last. Marcus Kelke, thank you very much indeed for joining. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework, subscribe and share this with a friend or colleague. Please leave your five-star review and any comments you have because that really helps me to improve every day and it helps people to discover me online. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, you should check out practical-leadership.academy. Crafted was nice. I like crafted. Yeah, and um, well, it started out as farted, the fart, and then, <laughs> um, but um, th then I had to put commitment in there, and it ruined the whole thing. Um, but it started out as a pull your finger, uh, pull my finger guy. I like it. <laughs> my son does that terribly. <laughs> I can generate them from thin air. I don't know how he does it. Yes, well, it's must not have... that thin afterwards, I'm guessing. <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. Um,